Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and my guest today is Alistair McTaggart, uh, the force behind 2018's California Consumer Privacy Act, which gave Californians the strongest privacy rights in the country, and right now the author of Prop 24, which is on the ballot in November and will set those privacy rights in stone. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Alistair. Thanks, Carmen. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so glad to have you here. So uh, I'll set the stage by explaining the CCPA quickly for those uh, who don't already know that our, our listeners, the The California Consumer Privacy Act was enacted by the legislature in 2018 only really because you had a sword of Damocles hanging over their head, which was that you had gathered enough signatures to qualify the measure uh, for the 2018 ballot. And so to avoid that, uh, the legislature and the tech industry agreed to make a deal and they enacted the CCPA as legislation. Um, And we were strong supporters of that. gives uh, incredible new rights to consumers to know what data companies are collecting about them, tell companies not to sell their data, have the ability to delete the data that companies are collecting about them, uh, to sue company for data breaches, the most wide-ranging privacy rights that uh, have ever been enacted in the country. Uh, But of course, there's a problem. Um, And Prop 24 addresses that problem. So maybe, maybe maybe we start there, which is What made you think it was necessary to bring a new privacy measure forward when CCPA just got enacted in 2018? Uh, Well, thanks. Uh, uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Um, So when it was enacted in 2018, uh, we did what was called a legislative compromise. We withdrew uh, our ballot measure at the time, and the the law was passed unanimously out of both houses. Now, um, what your listeners may not know... um, though if uh, they're familiar with Prop 103, they will know, is that initiatives are kind of a separate law than regular legislative law in California. And an initiative generally can't be amended except by another initiative uh, unless the initiative itself tells the legislature that you can't amend it. So what we saw in 2019 was repeated attempts by, by big tech to come after CCPA and weaken it. And I'm not just talking about, you know, small things at the edge. We're talking about attempts to uh, remove all data generated by your car, which, by the way, knows everything about you, how much you weigh, where you eat lunch, that kind of thing, Uh, to remove all insurance uh, from the law, to remove um, all behavioral advertising. That's the advertising that tracks you from site to site, from your device to your home to your desktop. So it it was not lost on us that, you know, unless we do something here, uh, we're up against the richest, most powerful industry on the planet basically that the world's ever seen, you know, the first trillion-dollar companies. We, we need something to prevent this uh, wave of money from just you know, crashing over Sacramento and, and, and long-term uh, weakening our law. So that's, that's the, the main reason is because is, a new initiative, what it would do is put a floor under privacy. And it would say, hey, legislature, you can do anything you want, make any amendments you want uh, to change, but you can't pass any amendments that hurt consumer privacy. So it would put a floor under privacy. And well, you're absolutely right that um, our listeners know well uh, the importance of that kind of protection because we have been in the middle of a legislative fight to protect Prop 103 from a hostile legislative amendment. Um, 
ultimately, those are things that you can knock down in court. If a, a regulated industry convinces uh, convinces the legislature to uh, pass an amendment uh, that would worsen Californians' privacy rights, then what this measure would do is make that illegal. The courts would overturn it, and Californians' privacy protections would uh, would be would still be in place. And so, that is uh, one of the biggest reasons that Consumer Watchdog has endorsed uh, Prop 24, because we know how important it is to protect uh, this law from meddling by the industry. So we're, we're so thrilled that it's going to be on the ballot and, uh, and give uh, that you're giving consumers a chance to lock those protections into place. Um, but of course, it's not just about locking those protections into place, but um, expanding uh, the privacy rights that the existing law already enacted. So maybe we can just go through some of the big things that Prop 24 would do to enhance uh, Californians' privacy. And I think in addition to creating a floor for those privacy rights, the top of that list for us is uh, allowing consumers to limit the use of their sensitive information. Right. This is, a, this is to me, one of the things I'm most excited about in the, in the proposed new law. So uh, the existing law in California uh, today, you have the right to tell businesses, don't sell my information, and to find out what they've collected and to say delete it. But there's an idea in, in some privacy laws around the world, like all of Europe has this, and, and, and this idea is, hey, look, there's some information that's so sensitive that I should be able to tell a business, you just can't use it. So what's that? That's my health information. That's my religion. That's my race or ethnicity. Uh, that's my sexual orientation. Um, some aspects of my financial life. I should be able to say to businesses, look, you know, you, just, you don't need to use this. And so think of it this way. Uh, you know, uh, Uber can know where I am to get me a car, but they don't need to know my race. And then speaking of where I am, that's almost the one that I think is most resonant with people, is the notion of precise, we call it geo-tracking, uh, geolocation, where these companies are, every time you open an app, uh, every time you uh, look at your phone, they know where you are, like right down to where you're standing. And in some cases, yet they, you know, as I said, Uber does need to know where you're standing to get you the car. But most of the time that you're looking at your phone, the weather app doesn't need to know exactly where you are. And so we introduced this concept of uh, sort of blurring your location. And what, what it says is uh, they can't track you more precisely than within a third of a mile, and you say, okay, that doesn't sound very much. Actually, that's 250 acres. So, look, they can know that you're a resident of Los Angeles, so they can give you the weather in L.A., but they don't need to know you're at the gym or, or more you know, intimately at a health clinic, uh, at a bar, uh, you know, who you're standing next to. And I, you know, especially uh, when we've done the focus groups, uh, women especially, you know, this notion of being tracked everywhere they go uh, it, it resonates with them, this idea of, like, I don't like this, this, this big brother looking at me all the time and, and, and not knowing where that information is going. So this sensitive personal information, the ability to block the use of it, is just, I think, uh, one of the best parts of this law. Well, and location tracking has been the source of a lot of angst over the years when it you know, becomes more and more obvious that your phone is keeping a record of everywhere you're at and that information might be available to people you don't want to know. So now that we've also all got apps on our phones that are tracking that information too, it's so uh, such a big deal to be able to say, no, don't 
collect where I am. And you know, you gave me a really good example of how this data could be used in a horrific way that I just want to, I think is really important to point out, which is it because apps are able to use your precise geolocation, they can then sell that data uh, based on the facility you're at uh, to advertisers. And this has been done to target women at abortion clinics with pro-life advertising while they're sitting in the waiting room at the abortion clinic. And Prop 24 would say you're allowed to say no more. And I think that's just a, such a critical importance. And, you know, you can come up with a lot of other examples of why, how advertisers want to know that you're at the bar, want to know that you're at a gay club, uh, want to know where you are so they can target you with information that many of us don't want to see. So I think that's just such a critical critical protection. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, um, so the, uh, you know, one of the other, one of the other big things that, uh, that the law does is bring us more on par with some of the privacy by design um, and other ideas that have been implemented in Europe, like data minimization, purpose limitation, storage limits, all of which kind of sound like technical wonky terms, but they're really important important uh, to create uh, the kind of privacy rights that assume uh, you're supposed to protect privacy rather than protecting privacy as an, afterthought, uh, as an afterthought. Yeah, you know, the way I think about this is, you know, if you think about our own country and our Bill of Rights, our Bill of Rights doesn't, is, is pretty loosey-goosey in terms of it says, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of association. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to let the courts figure that out, and over time it becomes meaning something. But there's actually immense power in having just the concept stated, and then because then you know the onus is on on people to comply with you know with freedom of speech. So, in this situation, what we have is these three really powerful new uh, concepts, which we've actually imported from Europe. One's purpose limitation: tell us uh, why you're using our information, and then don't use it for a different purpose. Storage, storage uh, limitation. Tell me how long you're going to keep my information. Don't keep it longer than you need to, and don't and then don't keep it longer than you told me you're going to. And then data minimization. Okay, why do you need my, to collect my information? Okay, then don't collect more than you need to do the job that you say you're going to do. So, you know, you're on a weather app and they just suck all your contacts or something. And I think these three rights are going to become incredibly powerful over the years because they will... There's so much that comes from that that, that, that you know gives the uh, regulator the ability to go back and say no, no, you're not allowed to do that. Um, and uh, and so I, I think I think again, there's so many parts of this law that I'm excited about, but those three uh, I'm really excited about because uh, it'll set the course, so to speak, for privacy in this state and I think ultimately this country. Well, and and uh, in just extending the comparison to Europe further, um, if you pay uh, any attention to privacy issues, you know that the that Europe is uh, leaps and bounds beyond this country, and Prop Twenty Four brings us much closer to the kind of standards that that European law they call the GDPR um, enacted for Europeans. So it brings us. Uh, puts us puts us into a position where we could actually rival some of the some of the privacy protections that other folks have around the world. Yeah, and a couple of other ones uh, the provisions in this law. So it gives you a right a new right to correct your data. Okay, you have the wrong data about me. Now you have to correct it. It gives you the right to object to profiling. So one of the issues that we're all aware of now is, you know, Carmen, you'll see different things on your feed than I will. 
and the algorithm has typecast you as one way and me as something else. And the question we all have is, well, are, am I only seeing, for example, certain jobs because of the color of my skin? Or am I only seeing certain you know, opportunities because of whatever you think my education is? And so one of the things this law would do was let you figure out, find out what the algorithm, how it's working. Like, what, how, you know, how is it presenting me the data that I'm seeing? And then it also would let you to object to the automated decision-making where you're just, you know, uh, you're just being stuck in a slot because of what it says and, and, and good luck with the recourse to saying, well, why did I see this or why did I not get to see that other job? And I think that also is incredibly powerful in terms of uh, the next century because as artificial intelligence gets more and more powerful and as the data that's been collected about us, you know, my kids are going to, every single piece of their life is going to be uh, measured and collected and put in a vault. And so you really got to start to tip the scales back towards giving me some control over what's happening, what I'm seeing. So one of the things, Alistair, uh, that I have seen in uh, the misinformation that always circulates during a ballot initiative campaign is claims that uh, Prop 24 would expand pay for privacy, making people pay if they want to opt out of the sale of their data. So maybe you can illuminate uh, what Prop 24 really does on that front. Uh, thank you. Yeah, this is a, a big misinformation. So the first thing to know about, there is a section uh, in the law that, that is in the existing law that does allow businesses to take steps if a person opts out of the sale of their information. We don't change that section. So it's the same uh, in existing law to, to, to the new law. The the opponents are, are misleadingly call this, calling this pay for privacy. This is part of the original deal in 2018, and, and the, really the, the genesis there is around the, around the news media, um, which, as we all know, have been suffering so greatly at the hands of sort of Google and Facebook. Um, and uh, basically, if a consumer shows up at a site and says, you know, don't sell my information, this, the, the law, the existing law, the new law, would allow that site to charge them a fee that's related to the value of their information. Uh, it can't be coercive or usurious. But think of it this way: you know, you show up on a on a web on a newspaper with your ad blocker enabled, and you demand to have the same service as uh, as anybody uh, else. That's a quick way for your you to put the entire news media out of business, and that there's there's societal consequences to that. Um, I do think over time this will get refined and business models will change. But one of the problems with doing these things is you have to walk before you run. Uh, now the opponents are basically pointing to this 2018 provision and, and, and saying we're doing something terrible and nefarious, but we're not. And uh, in fact, we have a, uh, a great new way for consumers to, we hope, have no retaliation whatsoever, no charge. And that is that we're, we're introducing a carrot uh, for businesses that want to, that are willing to not charge consumers. Uh, and the carrot is, okay, business, you don't have to put the do not sell button on your website. And in return, now if Tamaru shows up with their do not sell signal, you can't charge them. You can't uh, put a pop-up. You can't put up a cookie wall. You just have to take and treat them like any other consumer. And I think that there'll be a huge incentive over time because businesses aren't going to want to have the do not sell button. So, And over time, it's going to be like the scarlet letter. And so the better businesses will not put up the do not sell button and not charge you at all. Uh, so I think that's one of the other innovative parts of this new initiative. 
Well, and that's something that we are really looking forward to is a wider adoption of Do Not Track because uh, when I uh, was working out of our Washington, D.C. office, the Do Not Track button was uh, was a hot topic of discussion. Consumer advocates were pressing to define what it means and uh, encourage its use. And uh, the few browsers that at the time in, uh, enacted Do Not Track as a default on web browsers ultimately turned it off because it was meaningless, because no companies were respecting it. So creating an incentive for companies to honor do not track signals uh, uniformly, I think would be a huge step forward towards real adoption and everyone getting those privacy rights by default. Right. I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll close there, Alistair. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really uh, appreciate it. And, uh, for any listener out there, please do vote yes on Prop 24. It will make an enormous difference, uh, both short-term and long-term, for this state and for this country. If people want to learn more, they can go to uh, caprivacy.org, and that's caprivacy.org, and uh, you'll find everything you want to know about this initiative there. Well, thanks for joining us, Alistair, and thanks for listening, everyone. Tell your friends yes on 24 this November, and... Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carmen Balmer, and this has been the Rage for Justice Report.